everybody back again for another episode of fish around and find out here in san antonio texas brought to you by fish tackle marine i have a great guest on the phone this week i have mr kevin aiken from corpus christi texas and he is calling me right now from lake charles louisiana where he is practicing for the redfish world series that's going to happen next week kevin thank you for coming on man i really appreciate it of course of course no problem at all man well um man a lot of my listeners are diehard bass fishermen but i do have some coast guys coming in so tell me a little bit about the world's the redfish world series i mean what organization is it how how did it come about and just a little backstory on the world series the redfish world series was born by a by an angler that used to fish you know back in the cup at flw days been fishing a long time his name was gritter griffin um the professional redfish league bought the redfish world series out i probably did a little over a year ago um they normally hold this event has been in delacroix or st bernard parish in louisiana which is like southeast new orleans for i want to say the last four years it's a four-day format um two days you bring in five fish and then it cuts the field in half um, day three, you bring in four redfish, and I think over here is 20, 27 inches, what we're doing, and it cuts the field to the top 10, and then the final day, it's five redfish, it's zeroed out again, and then the winner takes home a Ford truck and a Mayak Reaper with the mercury on it, so it's a pretty big payday. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about relatively on paper, if you had to go pay for it, it's 200000 Yeah. So it's a, in our sport of redfishing, it's a, that's about as good a payout here as you're going to hear of. No, that is that is unbelievable. So, how many teams are in the World Series? I believe this year it's thirty nine. Um, we're the numbers are down on that, and and uh, whether economy and or I, I want to say venue, but you know, typically people enjoy going fishing where fisheries are are amazing, and this this fishery is, but. It's. Uh, I think there was a lot more qualified, but you never know. It's been a long year, so no, it's been I, a lot of events. So you know, people, the, the people that want to go put their money where their mouth is and and try to win two hundred grand are here. You know, no, I can. I can understand that completely because even all year on the on the bass tournament side, I fish a lot of the regional stuff like Bass Champs and a couple of the other tournament trails and stuff like that. And I would say we probably saw a a good you know, 15 to 20% decrease in entries and stuff this year, I'm sure based on a lot of exterior factors. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But, but it keeps on going on. No, absolutely. So I know you're there this week. Um, as far as the Redfish World Series, I've always been curious, Are there uh, were there any off-limits or anything that y'all have to contend with, like, a lot of the bass guys do where like you know lakes go off limits that you can't fish for a certain period of time or yeah this tournament is is uh, is probably different than majority of tournaments that are on the saltwater side of things we you know there's quite a few that have off limits but this one's actually no no communication it's supposed to be two weeks prior to the tournament it actually started last saturday at midnight because there was a conflict with another uh, professional red fish league event that was in homa last weekend gotcha but, uh, you, we can't communicate with anybody else about uh fishing so to speak as far as other competitors people we hang out with you know just you know area codes fishing lures techniques you know pretty much each team is on their own to find their own fish and try to get it one wow that is that's crazy i know uh 
like uh, some of the uh, major league fishing stuff, they have that no info rule like that where you can't talk to other competitors because y'all are fishing on different days and stuff like that. And uh, I remember hearing some of the interviews, and that's got to make it kind of tough if you're housing with other competitors. <laughs> it does, you know, and it, it, it's hard. It, it's easy for the people that have been doing it for a long time. That are used you know, to it. Because odds are a majority of people you know, or not probably going to give up their good stuff to anybody else anyways. You know? Absolutely. But it, it makes it difficult in staying, you know, you have to choose who you stay with, you know, and you got to really think about the process. But I don't think anybody here is trying to kick anybody else out or, you know, that kind of deal. But it's, I mean, over here in conversation, when you come to the state of Louisiana, a lot of people are friendly, especially outdoorsmen. Yes. Guys that hunt and fish, if they see anybody with a different boat or something else at a, at a gas station, they're going to come tell you about it. They're going to come tell you where they read fish. They're going to, you know, and it always sounds rude. You have to shut them down, but you, you have to, you know, especially because, I mean, you have polygraphs. There's a lot on the line. There's a lot of money on the line, and you don't want to have a hang up just over some simple little conversation you had that actually changed your thought process and sent you in a direction you wouldn't go in otherwise. But it's all down to personality on that. Some people can can communicate and say things and it doesn't bother them. And then some people like me or God or someone hear anything from anybody, you know? No, exactly. Cause you're right. Because, you know, I can't tell you how many times you're just at a gas station filling up your boat and somebody wants to walk up and say, Oh man, you're down here. I was catching them on this, this, and this just last week. And it's like, well, that don't, <laughs> you know, you don't want to hear those things. No, no, but I think majority of the guys, majority of the guys that uh, we fish with in general, just like the bass side, I think majority of the guys are, are pretty honestly and truck trustworthy wise you know? yeah no i i agree 100 percent. y'all guys have all worked hard for a lot of years to get to the level that y'all are on yeah exactly but uh so as far as uh the redfish world series being the um now is it run by a specific organization or is it yeah. guys from multiple organizations that can it's compete a, yeah it's, it's actually run by the professional redfish league which is owned by ron Henny. you know he started a I know a lot of us started fishing with him during COVID because so many of our tournaments got canceled. Yes. So many of the things that we were doing at that time got canceled. And so we, as a little group of us, started doing some PRL stuff just because they still had events and they were still having stuff at home. And then it kind of led to where we are now as far as me personally. you know, Absolutely. Stuff. He has a bunch of events a year, a bunch of different level events, women events, $250 events, yeah. know, 50 events. So he actually has a pretty big schedule. But, but yeah, they, they he owns the Redfish World Series now, and he changed the venue this year, moved it out of St. Bernard. Because most people will travel to the state of Louisiana to fish a redfish tournament because their fishery is so amazing. Yeah. And where you don't get that in every other state. Texas has a great red fishery, but it's also knowledge, right? It's where, you know, you got to spend time and energy figuring out where they are. State of Florida is the same way. How to catch them, you know, where they are, same deal. Where Florida, an average angler, can go put the trolling motor down in a bayou and probably find a redfish, you know? Yes. It's a... It's a it's, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's overly abundant now in Louisiana as it was, but it still has a very good population of them. So it contributes to the vacation side of things for a lot of anglers. You know, they get to get away from the house, get away from life, take a break, get to go chase some fish, maybe win some money. And, and so and uh, it, 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 it's very therapeutic through the years, so to speak, for a lot of people. I think that's why a lot of people do it. Wow, no that that's great. I can definitely uh I can definitely vouch for Ron. I am a uh novice 
redfish tournament angler, but I actually did fish uh, two of his open events this year, the one in Port Aransas and the one in Port O'Connor, and uh, it was uh, very, very well run. I, I mean, I thought he did a great job. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of redfish series now. You know, uh, it has been for a while. I mean, you have the uh, Pat Malone's Elite Redfish Series. Ron has a PRLs. You've got a uh, the Powerpole Redfish Tour out of Florida that Kent runs, and you got the GRS, the Galveston Redfish Series, and a bunch of smaller ones. So there's a bunch of avenues to fish redfish tournaments more now than ever. Yes, um, and uh, I think they all do a great job at what individually each one of them to do. And it just it's uh, as anglers we get to pick and choose what we're doing and what we're not doing. And, and you know we've been all fishing with ron on the prl stuff you know he's always does seems like he does a really good job of giving everything he gets sponsor wise you know from power pole whether it's power poles whether it's it's boat storage units whether it's roy's bait and tackle gift cards he gives that back to the anglers you know yeah so he always does a really good job of, of uh you know giving stuff back to the anglers and, and it helps with payouts and you know, some guy finishes seventh and you know doesn't make a check but then he gets a power pole you know so yeah think, no doubt I think, I think all the series we have um redfish series are all great they're all individually different in ways but they're all good for the sport of redfishing because at the end of the day it's all the same base of anglers yes we only have so many redfish anglers on the gulf coast and you know having all these options for people is, is a really good thing everybody gets to pick and choose you know what's good for them and what they enjoy doing but yeah scale wise on what we've done on on the prl stuff has always been legit um the bumping wise measuring wise ron has a actually has a gopro a camera feed on there for live tv and there's been some controversy back and forth on that but you're going to have that you just don't get to see that from every other tour because there's not a camera on it but well and know, i for the most part things get handled correctly um when or ch- when things arise and, and you're always going to have some issue on that but you it's, know it's, a good deal. it's trustworthy and at the end of the day as long as the person's taking the thought process to make it better and get it closer to being right. That's, that's all you can ask for. No, you're, you're exactly right. And that's the one thing I commend the PRL about is, I mean, there ain't very many people that are willing to put a GoPro on every fish that's getting weighed. And I mean, be that transparent. And I mean, I, Hey, he's putting it out there for everybody to see. And if something happens or a mistake's made, as long as, as long as the people running the show are willing to own up and try to do what's right by best for everybody, I I can't I can't argue with that one bit. Yeah, on that particular deal with the camera on the on the bump station, when we're talking about bump station, we're talking about where they lay the redfish in, the procedure that's supposed to happen when that gets measured because there's actually a rule written on it, you know, and gets recorded. But you still have the human nature. You know, humans in general, we make mistakes all the time, right? Absolutely. And, and you still have the human nature thing of something getting by or something happening or something getting nitpicked. And, and uh, I have to commend them on keeping the camera on there because as much negative publicity that you can get off um, somebody making a mistake, you know? Yes. Uh, not a non-intentional mistake. It, yes. it, it gets blown up so, so, so wildly with social media now, but... But uh, it's it's a it's a little crazy. But the good thing is you get to go rewatch videos. And and for the angler side of it, I always tell people I said you think it's of all the negatives on it, but you don't think of the positives on it. If you want to see how that bump guy is going to bump fish, fish in and fish out, right? The mm-hmm. guy that we normally use, so that you can emulate that as well as possible in the boat. That videos are all out there online to watch. Absolutely. So if you're questioning what your fish is and what length it is, if it's going to make it underneath the cut line. Go back and watch the videos. Go watch, how does this guy bump fish? How does he normally, averagely lay a fish on the board 
How does he put the pincher on? You know, if he touches the fish, where does he touch it at? And there's a bunch of information that for anglers, they some people tend to look at the negative side of that and not look at the positive side. No, and you're exactly right. And that's a whole nother level of difficulty that y'all have to contend with being redfish anglers is, you know, in any other tournament, like one of my bass tournaments, for instance, if I hook into a 15, 16 pound bass, I'm not throwing them back. I'm taking them to the scales. There's no rule about that. But y'all guys, y'all are in a slot, which is, it, I mean, that just brings a whole nother element of difficulty to what y'all are having to do, especially out on the boat, trying to get them and measure them and all that. I mean, I can't, it, it's very difficult. It is very difficult. You know, the measuring system that we all use now is the measuring system that Pat Malone um I guess came out with invented, so to speak, which is which is the best way compared to before we people were laying it on a flat board, you know, putting their hand on the gill plate, pinching the tail. And yes, you couldn't emulate that constantly, you know, or or you know, get exact science on it. So there was always a lot of controversy. And now that we have a, you know, we just have a tilt board that's I think it's maybe seven seven and a half on the on the uh, you know thirty inch side of the board, and they lay the redfish in there and they. They lay the redfish, it slides his nose all the way up to the end of the board, and they put a pitcher on it and slide it to set a mark. Like this tournament will be the 26 inches, right? And it is what it is. But we play the – everybody's playing the game. You you don't realize how many fish you catch that are in that range from being, let's say, if it's 27 inch on the long side, that's 27 and 8, you know, 27 and 16. You know, hey, where does the nose of the fish go? You know, where does the fish breathe in? You know, which way is the fish going to move? Because the redfish, especially a fat one, can do a lot of different things. I mean, they, they're, they're so much bigger around that they, you know, they take a breath in or they let a breath out and they get shorter or longer. So it's playing with that, that line on what you bring in is, is uh, and how you take care of your fish is probably the most important part of tournament fishing. Because if you don't know what you can get away with, and what I mean by get away with is sometimes you put a redfish on there that's on the line. And a lot of anglers will say, well, let's throw it back. I'm one of them. I'm like, I don't want to oversize redfish in a lot. Well, I fish with guys that are smarter than I have fish with guys that are smarter than I am. You know, I fish with Dwayne for a long time. He's a lot more intelligent than I am. I fish with Clark now, and they're the kind of guy said, hey, well, take this 27-inch fish, put it in the live well now. We'll pull him back out and check him and see how he is when he's healthy. You know, you want to pull him back out of the live well, and he either the same length, he grows or gets shorter. So it's not a definitely linked deal as far as what a breadfish measures every time you put it on the board. You know, it, it's there's some leeway there, but it's, a, it's the best thing that someone has come up to at this point, the way we measure fish. Um, it, I think people are working on it now, trying to make it better. I think we'll probably see something next year that is going to be a little bit better than what we have now, a little bit more consistent as far as nose placement on the board and, and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But, but it, it's getting better. It's it's evolving, and people are trying to think of the right ways to make it be more consistent. Yes. As far as because on our our boards, when you lay a redfish in there, depending on where that nose goes on that board, is the length of your redfish. Yes. So if the nose goes on the board, it's straight when he puts it on there. Well, guess what? Your fish is going to be long. If the nose, the fish slides in there and puts his head down the corner, well, he's going to be shorter. So there's still a little leeway there. But overall, we, you know, it's getting, it's, it's uh, the best thing we've had to date, you know? Well, it's a, it sounds like it's a work in progress, but it definitely sounds like it's progress that's heading in the right direction. Absolutely. 
So one of the things I did want to talk to you about that I thought was so cool and so interesting, I actually got to go down to Port Aransas last last uh, November during the event, but you were able to compete in the Bassmaster Redfish Cup last year. And you actually were one of the guys that got paired with one of the Bassmaster Elite Series pros. I believe you had Drew Cook with you, didn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I fished with Drew Cook for, I don't want to say five days. I think we started pre-fishing on Monday. It was a great experience. I was actually invited through the Yamaha spot um, for that event. It's 10 boats going out in that tournament. They're having another one here, I think, in November in the Carolinas. Uh, but, yeah, we fished out. It was, it was really, really interesting for me to, to fish with a bass guy, uh, especially a bass younger guy, you know, guy that's got all the energy in the world and is a heck of a stick and, you know, and how determined. And I mean, he stood on the deck of the boat next to me scouting and we scouted daylight to a dog, you know, yeah. and there's not that many people that I know. And, and I'm one of them sometimes that they'll sit there all day long, daylight to dark. And when your day ends up, go get something to eat, you know, yeah. spend time with the family or whatever else. But the, the amount of determination that that man had standing next to me in the boat on a redfish tournament that really at the end of the day for him probably wasn't a big event you know he fishes a lot better stuff on the bass elite series but it, it was cool to see and they, those kind of guys that put that kind of amount of effort into what they do on their regular bass stuff are going to be successful there's no doubt well and i can tell you drew cook from the little bit i know about him i actually ran into him at the gas station there after the first day and uh, he was fueling up and whatnot and i mean just seemed like a super nice guy. I mean, he stood in the parking lot while we were filling up diesel in our trucks and talked to me for probably a good 10 minutes. Just just seemed like a very a very good guy. Yeah, very well-rounded young man. He's yes. A, he's, a, he's a whole lot better fisherman at his age than I was at that age. I could, he knows I, a lot more than I could, I promise you that. I can tell you what, all those guys y'all were fishing against were lucky he wasn't able to get up on one of those towers because apparently he is the, one of the best bass sight fishermen around. There ain't no doubt. We were sitting there. Uh, I remember that tournament pretty well because I don't ever give anybody the, I guess, would say the right side of my boat, you know, because um, that's my dominantly cast my right arm and the way I cast my casting motion. I normally don't give anybody the way I set the hook and everything. It's, I'm at a disadvantage being on the left yeah. just because of my hook set and just my mechanics. And uh, Drew and I fished the first day. And I said, you're standing on that right side. You know, he's like, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'm good. No, no, I promise you, you get your butt on that right side. So every situation we saw fishing, it was pretty funny, though. whole time we were fishing, Drew was like, we're sight fishing. I'm like, Drew, we, there's going to be very limited sight fishing in this tournament. This entire week's cloud cover and, and the area code we're doing and what we're doing it is really, it, you sight fish there, but but it's conditional. Yes. And uh, and so every, t- every time we finally see a fish or something, and he would go to make a cast at it, I'd kind of, he, the fish would move out of position. I wanted to catch it. Actually, during the tournament, he saw a fish coming out of the pothole. He cast it at it. The fish did the flip on him, which just means turned to 180 and started going the other way. And actually, I threw it. I didn't want him catching it. But you know, <laughs> he, he's got great eyes. And, and uh, being down sun helps a lot, too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, so, I mean, you've been doing this redfish deal a long time. Uh, uh, have you always just been a tournament guy have you were you a guide that turned into a tournament guide or how did how did you how did the 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 hardcore redfish tournament thing come about for you it was probably a long process when i was younger my dad took me fishing a lot 
you know, and not that he enjoyed fishing, but he took me. So we did a lot of tournaments when I was younger. We're talking about age of five and six. You know, a lot of, I grew up in, in the lower Laguna Madre in the Royal City. And, and so we fished up the TIF, the Port Mansfield Fish Tournament, Royal City Fish Tournament. And that's kind of where the tournament vibe got started for me. I guided for a long time and uh, pulled the plug on that one day over some personal matters, and, you know, and want to go a different route as far as what I do for a living. But the... Uh, Jimmy Mayak, we were, uh, I was running Mayaks back then, and Jimmy's like, hey, you need to do this redfish stuff. I think you'd like it. And I said, well, I don't know. So me and a friend of mine, Aaron Lobis, I think fished our first redfish tournament together, you know? And mm -hmm. we, we were on a flat that was absolutely loaded, and we had been wade fishing these fish. And we were out of the boat now drifting, which we had no problem with that. But we weren't getting bit, and we were literally, I mean, we're drifting by you know, like you're blind casting, there goes one, there goes one, <laughs> and we're not getting bit. And something about that day, was like, I don't like not knowing what to do right now. You know, like, it drove me crazy. And I set out to, because when I grew up and I was younger, we didn't have a lot of redfish. They still had gill nets. They were gilled all the time. We did not have a big population of redfish in the lower Laguna Madre at all. You know, and then they ended gill netting, and then gradually redfish started coming around. And we all assumed that we knew what we were doing redfishing when we started. And I didn't realize. We didn't have a clue. You know, we still don't have a clue now, but but I definitely didn't have a clue then. It just kind of transpired. It just kind of one of those things. Once I learned, once I started figuring out that I, I love traveling and fishing, I love going and learning new area codes on my own and just taking off and going doing what I do, it was a driving force of it, you know? Absolutely. You know, learn the water pretty much from Mississippi through South Texas and not need a GPS, you know? Yeah. Be able to go navigate go i mean it's just once you get that kind of knowledge off what you learned it, it feels good you know you feel like everywhere you're going you're fishing at home you know i've, I've gone to florida numerous times now i fished panama city i fished jacksonville i fished tampa i like fishing in florida as well i think i think it's a cool fish tree just a matter of different fish it's a lot more challenging than, than a lot of stuff but it's enjoyable but the amount of knowledge that, that i've learned over doing this just over area codes and and just knowing the water, it, and I've got a little bit of help from that. Dwayne helped me quite a bit with that when I was fishing with him, and and everything from Venice South. Dwayne's real knowledgeable in Louisiana; he pretty much knows where he is at any moment. But it was it's been enjoyable. That's probably been the thing I enjoy most about it: just learning the different area codes, and then also just the locals. You know, each parish is different. Everybody cooks food different. <laughs> everybody has better places to eat, and and you have different. Uh, I guess different personalities in different area codes in Louisiana, you know, and, and it's just cool getting, getting to learn it all. No, I, I agree a hundred percent. Um, you know, my family's had a house in Port Aransas since the mid sixties. So I've grown up going there my whole life and I've had the luxury of going to Venice four or five times over the years. And every time we go down there, I mean, it is just, it's overwhelmingly how awesome it is, you know, the fishery, the redfish, the trout, I mean, just everything. It's uh, it's definitely a, a bucket list trip for anybody that likes to inshore fish. Yeah, I always tell people the same thing. If you're going to go to Venice and you want to go fishing, if you're going inshore fishing, you know, let's say you're not going tuna fishing or going offshore stuff, go in October, you know, um, go, go, go once the river's down. You know, right now the river's down, the green water's almost, I think, in, in the New Orleans now, but um, that place is so awesome. I got, we went there on a trip, we do a family trip every year to Louisiana, me and a friend, their, their families, my family, and, and we go just for a fun fishing deal, and we made one day trip out of Venice about three weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, we go triple tail fishing, and not sight fishing triple tail, trying to catch 
giants and uh, it didn't work out for us last time i think we only caught one but mm. i kind of wish i'd been there a couple of days earlier to kind of figure out what area code they were in but <laughs> it's just there's so many different things you can do there i mean we watched guys whacking bass right there at red pass when we were there i mean just wearing them out you know you got guys red fishing you got guys going offshore go catch tuna you got guys you know deep dropping for swords so it's all it's all it's all really cool fishery and you're you're at the end of the world out there you know yes i mean that's all you have to do there is fishing now, i think that's why i like it that's what there's so not too much off the water stuff you better just keep on fishing because once you get in there's not too much to do i was about to say you either fish or gator hunt i think that's about all you got to do yeah, no doubt. Yeah, louisiana <laughs> is a, a special place i mean as far as coastal fisheries goes and it's just they're the complete change from the Texas border side all the way to, you know, to Mississippi border. It's just, you have so many different things you can do. And their trout fishing is amazing there as well. You know, absolutely. I, I know we, we took a, we took a, we went out scouting one time and did every island from Breton Island to the chandeliers. It's just the big trout you see out there on the sand. is amazing. Oh, and just wow. redfish, schools of redfish and just, just the fishery. It's the, the people that live in the state of Louisiana have a great asset in their marshes and, with their outdoor life in general. Absolutely. So I know, like I said, I can't thank you enough for taking some time out. And like I tell all the guests that I'm fortunate to talk to, I know guys like yourself that do a lot of traveling and do a lot of fishing all over the country, you know, like you're pretty much everywhere all over the Gulf Coast. I know y'all guys aren't able to do it with a great amount of support, but uh, definitely who uh, who do you represent out there on the road? Who, uh, who helps you keep this dream alive as far as uh, boats and motors and fans? family and, and everything i'd i'd love to hear who who helps you you know one of one of, one of my biggest supporters that has been a supporter even when i was guiding was chris's marine and haney boats you know if it wasn't for them there for many many years i wouldn't be doing this absolutely not without their help and the things that they did for me and the things they do for me you know i would never have started doing this i couldn't do it without them you know yamaha outboards is, is is one of my big sponsors as well and and really the the when i made the change to them it, it was it was a scary time for me because I don't leave sponsors very often, and I had moved from Mercury to Yamaha, and the the amount of reliability that I get out of my motors is just such a pleasant thing. I turn that key over, and I don't ever worry about not getting where I'm going and coming home with that motor behind me. I never do. I never it's yeah. not even in my thought process. You know, mm-hmm. and the, the people at Yamaha are great. The the, the dealers I stop at to buy random stuff, whether it be O-rings for a lower unit or oil, or they're, they're always so helpful. And they do they, they they have stepped on board with me and and above and beyond anything I could ever ask for. But I, on top of that, I think it's, what, it's one of the best products out there. If you're buying a boat, if you're buying a motor, buy Yamaha. I'm telling you, the reliability of that motor is better than anything else out there. Mercury's a great, great motor, and they have great support staff, and they do a lot of a lot of great things and they build great products but that yamaha does not leave me dry i mean i think i've broken down one time in the last seven or eight years and it was a fuel related issue you know yeah it wasn't even the motor but you know uh that, but waterloo rods i mean all i throw is power mags i think uh one of my heavy crankers actually when i throw on a daily basis that rod's like eight years old <laughs> you know jimmy jimmy and victoria you know builds the rods for me that i want and that i like and uh, it's a great product. It's a great company. If you're looking for a new rod and you need to buy one or you need tackle, you need reels, that store he has in Victoria is awesome. You can look them up online at Waterloo Pro Shops or uh, Waterloo Rod Company. Um, they're great. Berkeley, Abu Garcia, 
you know, they're, they, they keep me in baits. Um, we've got some new jig heads working now with uh, Texas Custom Boomers, some redfish jig heads that are, that are still, we're still in the process of developing them and, and Lowell's done a great job with it. And we got that coming down the road and we got the first generation out now and we're fixing to improve on those already. Um, you got uh, red tail Nino's helped me out through the years of glasses. He's done a great job. Um, there's just so many people that have, that have helped me move on coastline trailers, Marty over there, coastline trailers. I've been with Marty for a long time. Um, he, you know, I'd stop over there, you know, get what I need from them. They always do a good job. If I call them and I need something, whether it's hubs or bearings, we all lose stuff on the road and uh, it's just a good company. Majority of my sponsors are Texas based companies, you know, and without those guys and without us anglers out here, the whole purpose of this is selling product, right? Absolutely. So we're not selling product. We're not doing our job for our sponsors. Yes. It's not about how much money can you give me, you know, because I'm a, I'm an important fisherman. It's how much you need to help sell their product so that they can make money to have product and or support for anglers. And I mean, bass is the same way. If they're not selling boats, if they're not selling the motor sponsors, if they're not selling what they're with the sponsors, is, well, they're not going to have it. So that's the main thing is just, you know, if people will support the guys that support us, it helps us all tremendously. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And what you said is so spot on. And what I, what I noticed about your sponsor lineup is I think that's how you can always tell when you have a good fit between an angler and a sponsor is I would be willing to bet that probably I would say a minimum of half, if not more of all the products you are sponsored by now you were probably purchasing at one point because you believed in the product, whether you were getting a single penny or getting a single product beforehand. Oh yeah. I mean, in every angler, I don't care who you are. Um, they still, you still buy products that other, other companies sell that, that, that you're not even sponsored by. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. You never know what you're going to need, but, but yeah, sponsors, sponsors do a lot for this sport, especially just the PRL in general. You got my boats on there, right? They're a huge sponsor of what Ron does with the PRL, you know, allowing him to, to whatever deal they have worked out to have boats available to win for tournaments. They just gave away a 18 foot Mayak, I think with the Mercury on it, Mercury 115 and a coastline trailer at the last event in Homa to Elliot Stevens and, and Mr. Finnett. You know, they, they just gave that away. I mean, that's, that's an awesome prize. For unbelievable. Because the bottom line at the end of the day, to travel in the e-sport, the prize at the end of the day has to be worth traveling. I mean, if you're going to go travel for 10000 you're not going to even break even on your expenses. You know? Yes. So, I mean, the prizes and, and uh, I mean, Ron's got a whole list of them. I know PowerPole is real big. This, this World Series is sponsored by PowerPole, which they're probably one of the best companies that I've ever dealt with on the service side of existence you know mm -hmm. versus marine is the exact same way you walk in there you tell them what they need they're going to do everything they can to get it out you call power pole on your phone and they they help you diagnose it and they figure out you need a board they're shipping you a board yes no they're, they're going to sit there and put it in a box and ship it off to you and that's the kind of sponsors that you want and it's also the kind of companies you want to be affiliated with you know um they're they're they have a new power pole move out now um i don't have one on my boat clark put one on his uh on his illusion and I was totally amazed. You know, you always get a lot of hype with new products, right? And, you know, nowadays we're always kind of skeptical. Yeah, whatever. Everybody will say whatever they have to say about a product. You know? Yeah. But we put that thing to the test at Homa, and, and it takes some getting used to going from a Minkota to that. But once you get used to it, that trolling motor is so much quieter. 
it is so much faster. I mean, it is that thing is is as advertised. It is. It was an awesome, awesome experience with that troll motor. We we actually killed a lower unit. Clark found a pipe for us, and we had to troll out probably about eight miles. We had somebody coming to get us, but I think we made up four four and a half miles of that distance before they got there. We that thing stand there. We're standing there going in the wind at three point nine miles an hour. Wow! And wear the troll motor batteries down near as much. If it had been. Uh, Probably my troll motor on my boat, it probably would have made it about two miles. Yeah, because I don't, but I don't know. I mean, a huge shout out to Powerpole for supporting tournaments. But they do, they support a lot of tournament and tournament anglers, and uh, they're not. I'm not sponsored by Powerpole. And you know, one of the products that I would buy on my own, just because that's what I want on my boat. And you know what? That is one of the things that I really. <laughs> I mean, I, this is the first time I've ever talked to you ever, and one of the things that I have to commend you, and I really think of. Just it relate it 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 really resonates just in what kind of person you are because so many of these fishermen that we talk to nowadays like you talked about you know oh well, I'm sponsored by so and so so that's who I talk about all and that's the only thing one of the things I've noticed is you are so loyal to your sponsors but you are loyal to the sport of red fishing as far as just anybody that is making an effort to try to get this sport going and get this thing. I mean, like you said, you're sponsored by Haney Boats and Yamaha. You've already mentioned Mayak and Mercury. You're not sponsored by them, but they are all, it takes, it takes a whole village, right? And that's what we are trying to accomplish. And that's kind of what I told you at the beginning of the podcast was, I don't have a big following yet with this podcast, but any eyes and ears I can shed on the sport of uh, of red fishing. I, I've been a diehard bass guy for a long time, and uh, I am kind of hooked with the redfish bug now. And I mean, I would just love to create any exposure, if any, I can, and for what y'all guys do, because it it really intrigues me and it really interests me. And uh, man, just getting to talk to guys like you is really uh, it's really an honor. Yeah, I appreciate the kind words, but no, this, this sport's, uh, this sport's, you know, gone through peaks and valleys, you know, it, it, before I started doing it hardcore, I was trying to learn, you know, trying to make sure I could do what I could do, you know, to even think about traveling, but, and it was at its peak and then it went into a valley and it constantly, you know, kind of peaks and valleys. It's always been stable and always still having tournaments and it's, it's a great sport. It's a fun sport. It, it there's not there's very, very little animosity between anglers, you know, um, when you get that on some things, it, you yes. find about the majority of the people that are, that are standing next to you at the campus meeting will come drop everything they can do and come pick you up and drag you in or give you whatever extra they have. I mean, they're all genuinely good people and that, that's what helps the sport a lot. But, uh, well, but it's gone to, it, the, the bass picking up doing the bass masters redfish cup again and doing a little format to give us a little bit more exposure, you know, helps us and, and, and it helps them as well. You know, and, and you know, I have talked to I have talked to people on the bass side, you know, and the Bassmaster Redfish Cup is something they did years ago and I know that they this was their this was their way to get their foot kind of back in the door because I think I think they see a need for it, they see a market for it, but it's just you know, putting all the pieces together to try to make it work. And I think uh that, that redfish cup was just a uh just a step in the right direction. 
Oh yeah, in in a minimal minimal capacity because you don't. We only have so much square footage of Gulf Coast redfish, right? Yes. You know, bass has the whole U.S. Yes. I mean, there's lakes everywhere. Well, we're we're pretty limited on what we can do, and so there's definitely a market for it. It's just not necessarily maybe a you know a big field market or a bunch of venues. Absolutely. It, it's. I mean, there's guys fishing this tournament here that fished in the cup. You know, you got Ray Malone. You've got. Um, Golly, I just drew a blank. You got Charlie Barton. He fished the cup with his brother Jack. I believe Dwayne fished the cup. Uh, Clark fished. My partner Clark Jordan fished during the cup days when it was all televised. Um, you've got quite a few anglers here that were still doing it since the cup days, which the, <coughs> the field's gotten shorter on that. But the old school guys that, that were there during that time period, and I wasn't there during that. I came here during the FLW days. But the old school guys are still out there chasing the same thing they've been chasing for a very, very long time, you know, for 20-plus years. And once you go, I tell people all the time, you know, well, why would I want to redfish? I was like, when you sidecast your first redfish and you catch it, you know, it's going to change the way you fish. <laughs> if you haven't been a sight fisherman up to that point, it will become an addiction for you. And that's majority. When I was guiding and I would take people sight fishing for the first time, and they visually got to see the first redfish, like like watch it swim by the boat, it changed them. From that point on, when I got a phone call, it was, hey, Kevin, uh, what, what month are we going redfishing again? You know, it just <laughs> changed everybody on the way on the way you do. It, it's almost more like a lot of people prepare it to deer hunting, you know? Yes. It's more of a hunting deal. It's more of an execution deal. I mean, guys fly fish for them all the time, and there's a lot of a lot of very avid fly fishermen on the Gulf Coast that chase everything, right? But it's, a, it's, a, it's an addicting sport. To watch a redfish come absolutely smoke your stuff, um, because you executed on it, especially in area codes where they're high pressured, like Florida, or even here in Louisiana and Texas, it gets it's getting more and more pressured every year. So execution, how you how how you rig for them, what you throw at them, and all the little detail stuff is what makes it really cool. But it's a Louisiana is a special state. Their schools are going off offshore right now, like in Venice. So you'll just have big balls of redfish just blowing stuff out of the water. Just <laughs> it's definitely, I tell everybody, if you haven't done it, you need to find your guide and go do it. And do it on the time of the year when he tells you to do it. And go check it out. You know, jump on a boat with a guide that'll go sit there and take you to it so you can see it. And and it, it, you can add it to your repertoire. You know, guys that bass fish, guys that offshore fish, guys that do all kinds of different levels, chasing tarpon, everything. They still enjoy going throwing at a redfish, too, you know. So Absolutely. It's, a, it's an enjoyable sport. And even if you don't tournament fish, it's an enjoyable way to go, red, go fishing. You know, you can sit there and get rid of, like, at, in my house in Corpus, I can get rid of 95 to 98% of the recreational fishermen that are out there trout fishing or doing other things um, by getting shallow and going side fishing reds. I'm literally in water that majority of the boats that are around me can't get in or don't have the knowledge of. And you can go out there on a Saturday and have, be drifting a flat by yourself on a June or July day and just be having a ball. And it's so addicting. And Texas has a lot of sight fishing options galveston has it uh port arthur over here where we are now you know but this close to lake charles has it um of course middle coast when the when the river's down they have it in the back ponds they have there out of out of uh, matagorda that area code port o'connor's huge with it you know even port a rockport you know all the way down through the coast so there's a lot of availability for red fishing and there's a lot of people that do it and there's a lot of people that that's all it you know, they strictly just go sight fishing, whether it's black drum, redfish. You can, during the spring, you can sight fish the living daylights out of trout down south. <laughs> where I live. So it, it's a, there's a lot of different avenues. So if 
I always tell people you need to go do it once and see if you like it because prod's probably going to get a little addicting. But that's the only. I think if you took sight fishing out of the sport of red fishing, I think the sport dies. I think that's the reason why majority of people do it because there is some sight fishing available in it on every location that we go. You know, and I can't I can't agree more with what you just said about that hunting aspect. I mean, that just has that. It just ties it all together when you're able to see them and cast to them and hook them. Oh, absolutely. I see, you know, I was telling somebody the other day, you think after all these years of doing it, because I've seen, I've seen anglers or fish with anglers that, that they're over it, right? You know, like whatever they, you know, and that's fine. Everybody gets over things at the time, but I still get as excited as I ever do when I, especially on tournament day, when I see one that I want and I, you've got to, you've got to cast correctly. And we fish against a bunch of guys. Uh, Eddie Adams and I have fished a lot of tournaments over the years together. And, and uh, he's won the World Redfish World Series four times in a row. When you sit in the boat and watch him execute on the Redfish, you'll know why he's won. <laughs> Eddie's execution is as good as anybody's I've ever seen. His execution is, is he very rarely makes a horrible cast. You know, and that's hard to do. I mean, it's a very, you talk about side wind, you know, any different situation. And, and to have an angler like that that you're fishing against, you know you better bring it every day because if you don't, you see Eddie and Sean are getting Sean's just as good as it. And they're going to be five-time world champs now, you know. And we've all tried to do everything we can to dethrone them, and, and we failed every time. That's all of us. You know? <laughs> and, and that's all everybody, everybody. And it's not because... It's not because they're that much better. It's because the rest of us are that much worse. <laughs> you know, uh, if we execute them, then we'll probably all be fine. This event, this event that we're leading up to right now is is going to be a very, very challenging event for most of the anglers fishing. Um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be very curious on which program winds up winning it, uh, what team winds up winning it. I think it's wide open for a lot of people. Um, more more so than, than like if we're out of St. Bernard even though there's a lot more redfish and a lot more fishing areas to fish I mean when we leave out of like last year we left out of Delacro I mean you can have people literally run to Homa and fish you can make that run from where we left from you have people run to Venice you can have people fish Delacro, Hopedale, Biloxi Marsh there's a huge vast area coast to fish this one is different in a lot of ways because you have guys that can run back to Galveston and fish. You got guys that can run south of Galveston and fish. You got guys that can reach it. It's probably 160 miles to Homa from here. But there's guys that have boats available to make that run and make it. And you have guys that can stay local. You have guys that can go to the marsh, whether it's private or not private. It's a big issue over here. Um, <laughs> so there's so many different. You have guys that go to the jetties, and if they pull it off on the jetties four days in a row, they can roll it. Um, but it's going to be curious to see how this thing shakes out because we're in a – we're in a fishery right now that I would say you wouldn't pick Lake Charles at the moment right now with being the best red fishery, whether in the state of Louisiana. It is more be because of the aspects that have saltwater intrusions all come in the marsh now. So stub water that's normally brackish is now saltwater, so it changes vegetation and does a lot of different things. So, And not that they don't have them here, they do, but redfish... They can go hide when they want to hide. You cannot know they're around. I mean, all they got to do is jump off in a channel, and you'll never know if there's one there or not. So yeah. it's going to be curious to, to see who pulls this one off. It's going to be an interesting four days for sure. It looks like right now, weather-wise, from the outlook, it looks like we're going to have decent weather, which is doesn't happen that often anymore. <laughs> so, and we're leaving from way up, way up the lake up here. So, you know, we'll be starting at the north end of the lake, and everybody will be uh, spiderwebbing out from whatever direction they decide to go. So, absolutely. Be curious, but 
we'll see what happens. Anybody that wants to watch it, they, you'll have a on the professional redfish league. Look it up on Facebook or on the internet on the on the website, and they'll have a face. They should he should have live feed going every day when we weigh in. Weigh ins typically two to four, I think. I believe I didn't look at the schedule, so it'll be two to four. You know, anglers will be be rolling in. So we got two days to catch five redfish. We got at least catch one. The first two days uh, on the first day, and then four the next day if you only bring in one. So, I I, I have a feeling this tournament will be, uh, you know, five redfish in the live well on the first two days. You'll be a happy angler, <laughs> no matter the size. Yeah, well, Kevin, I know it's getting late, and I know y'all are getting up early again to continue practicing uh, for the World Series. I can't thank you enough again for uh, jumping on with us here, and I will definitely be watching. I will definitely make sure to tag uh, the people you mentioned, Haney Boats and Yamaha and Waterloo and Nino and all those guys, and that way, uh, you know, they... They know that that I mean I I know they know already, but uh, they they enjoy any bit of uh, any any effort that their anglers are giving them. So I'll definitely make sure that they're uh, they're involved in this. And uh, I can't say thank you enough. And good luck to you and Clark next week. And we will be watching. All right, thanks, Josh. No problem, Kevin. Thank you very much, and good luck, buddy. Yes, sir. Bye bye. bye, -bye. <laughs>